Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Healthy Gut Podcast with Rebecca Coombs, the place where you can learn how to achieve a happy, healthy gut. Here's what's coming up on today's show. Hello and welcome back to the Healthy Gut Podcast. I'm your host, Rebecca Coombs, and we are joined today by Dr. Narala Jacoby on episode 102. And we're talking all about the updates to the SIBO biphasic diet. It's been a little minute since I last recorded um, a podcast episode and apologies for the rather lengthy delay in episodes airing. Uh, Like many of you, um, the time of the pandemic just knocked us all for six, but I also got a little busy and I had a baby. I had a little girl, Ruby, and uh, that has definitely taken my attention. And as I learned to live uh, life as a mum uh, and coming at this at a much older age than many people when they start being parents, um, it has taken a little t- bit of time to adjust as we learn how to be a family of four with our little dog, Basil, being our original baby. So apologies for the lengthy delay. I've had many any messages from people asking me um, when I would be launching another podcast episode. So while I might not be able to do a podcast each week like I used to for my previous seasons, I will definitely be getting more podcasts up and out to you. There's been a lot going on in the world of SIBO since I last recorded an episode and I look forward to bringing you those updates Now, if you would like um, to request any particular topics, I always love hearing from my listeners. So feel free to send me an email to info at thehealthygut.com with any topic suggestions that you have, or even if you have a particular speaker that you would love to hear them speak on the topic of all things SIBO and gut health, please let me know. Now, because it's been a while since we did um, an episode of the Healthy Gut Podcast, you may have forgotten that if you are a member, which is free to sign up, you get exclusive access to the written transcription from the podcast episode. So if you'd like to join for free, simply head to thehealthygut.com forward slash podcast. You can enter your name and email address. It means you get not only the transcription, but also an email notification the moment a podcast goes to air. So you don't need to keep an eye out for it on the platform you use to listen to the podcast. You simply just keep an eye on your inbox and I will email you the moment a new episode airs. 
And you might also like to know that this episode has a video recording as well as the audio recording. So if you would like to watch Narala and I speak as well as listen to us, simply head over to our YouTube channel, which is The Healthy Gut, and you can watch Narala and I speaking on today's episode. And all of the other Uh, Healthy Gut podcast episodes are also available in YouTube as a video. Uh, Not all of them have video content, so some of them are just audio only, but at least it's another platform where you can listen to your favourite SIBO podcast, The Healthy Gut. So here we are with our interview with Dr. Narala Jacoby talking about the newly revised SIBO biphasic diet. Welcome to the Healthy Gut Podcast, Dr. Narala Jacoby. It is so lovely to have you back on the podcast with me today. It's been a little while since we last did an episode with each other, but uh, we've got some very exciting news to share today, and that is the huge revised update and uh, launch of the um, brand spanking new version of the SIBO biphasic diet and we're here today to talk all about that so thank you so much for coming on to uh, the Healthy Gut podcast to tell us all about it. My pleasure nice to see you Rebecca it's been a little while. It has been. I was just telling Narala about my little baby, so it's lovely to uh, be back doing podcasting again. Um, Let's dive in. I put a call out for questions to my community, and it was really lovely to have people um, drop me a message asking questions about um, the biphasic diet. So we'll delve into it. Um, One of the big questions I get asked regularly is, um, is what I eat the reason I got SIBO? So I'd love to hear your thoughts on, is it diet alone that is the cause of um, us developing this bacterial overgrowth in our small intestine? It's a good question. Um, I uh, don't think it is, but you know what we've learned about SIBO as practitioners, especially since we've been treating patients for a long time, um, there are people that you know, tend to have issues around the diet when it comes to regrowth, right? So uh, not necessarily maybe the initial cause of SIBO, but some people do tend to uh, experience symptoms after finishing the diet and can maintain symptom-free when they maintain themselves on the diet. But the vast majority of people, the general answer to that is no. The diet did not cause you to have SIBO or to develop SIBO. There are definitive causes that, you know, I'm sort of a champion of trying to find the underlying cause for people. Um, And there are definite underlying causes that you've also discussed in your podcast um, that are much more prevalent than just the diet. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the role of the SIBO biphasic diet. As the name suggests, it's in two phases. Um, what led you to developing it and obviously what led to the um, very recent um, update of the protocol? Mm. So when I initially uh, developed the biphasic diet, and, and I had to kind of go back into my archives, my first sort of attempt of creating something uh, was in 2013. So it's almost 10 years ago now that um, I've sort of looked at the what was available at the time, which was a general FODMAP diet, the, C- the um, SIBO food guide from Dr. Seebecker, and um, the specific carbohydrate diet. So those were the sort of diets that we that I worked with to look at 
you know, much more of a structured approach because I find that people, I mean, by now, you know, tens of thousands of people have downloaded the diet and practitioners and the feedback is just overwhelmingly positive that it really works to have a more structured approach. So meaning that you have, you start out with a very restrictive approach because for the most part, uh, or in most cases, people are very, very symptomatic at the beginning of their journey. And then as they go through treatment, they can relax the diet a little bit more. And um, and that really works for people, this kind of two-phase approach. But the initial intent really was for me to structure my approach to treatment because the treatment in phase one is different from the treatment in phase two. Let's talk about that. So let's delve into phase one um, and what you do with your patients um, when they uh, first come to see you. Yes. So the so the idea behind a really restrictive approach is because when you think about what SIBO actually does, right? So we know that SIBO is an overgrowth of bacteria, primarily um, E. coli and Klebsiella, if we're talking about hydrogen producing bacteria, that actually those ga- the hydrogen gas actually damages the gut wall. And what happens when you damage the gut wall, you also damage the brush border enzymes. And when you lose these, these little enzymes that are living in the gut wall or are produced in the gut wall, then um, uh, digestion or the final step of digestion of your food is really difficult. So the idea behind a very restricted diet was really aiming towards... Um, yeah, restricting anything that can that can trigger the symptoms of SIBO. So that uh, first part of the diet is actually divided into two parts. So there's restricted and then there's semi-restricted. And restricted is basically where you're not having any grains and you're just having protein and limited vegetables. And that can last for... Um, well, it can la- it's a different amount of time, but the general phase one diet is about four weeks long. So let's say you start out you uh, with phase one restricted and you have um, a really great uh, improvement in your symptoms pretty immediate. You can then move yourself into the semi-restricted phase and for the remainder of that month. Um, or some people do three weeks, some people do two weeks of phase one that really, if people are working with practitioners, you know, it gives a bit of flexibility, but if you're self-guided, then it's advised to kind of follow the guidelines of what's, what's in this diet. So let's say you are on phase one restricted, you're improving rapidly, you can move to semi-restricted, but if you're still struggling after a couple of weeks, then you want to stay in that restricted phase until you're you're about 50% better and then you can go into semi-restricted, which then brings in the rice and uh, more grains and more vegetable choices and some fruit choices. And it makes life a lot more, uh, you know, palatable and um, less restricted. There are some restri- uh, some exceptions to that rule is when people are very underweight we don't really want them to lose any more weight and they can uh, depending on what the practitioner recommends sometimes i start people on phase two but that's much more one you know case by case basis Mm -hmm. and what about the person who starts on phase one restricted and they feel like they can't come off it because every time they attempt to introduce something else from phase one semi-restricted they have an immediate reaction what are you doing with those patients? 
Well, you know, I don't see them too often. I think that that's, in my experience, not that common. I find most people more reactive when they move into phase two, you know. So, but it, but for the most part, I'd say 90% of the patients that I see um, have no problem with this kind of approach of moving through these phases. Um, yes, there are always some people that have a hidden histamine intolerance or some oxalate issues, and those are much more not so much related to them having foods that are causing their SIBO symptoms. It's just they have food reactions, and they need to be ferreted out in a much more professional medical setting, you know, so that they work with a practitioner. Um, and I, when you when you create something like a diet, you know, of course, it's sort of a, a general approach. And I'd say, like I said, 90% of the people and the feedback that I'm getting from practitioners and people that have downloaded the diet um, for, for, you know, the many thousands worldwide, that, that seems to be the general uh, feedback is that it works really well in that, in that context. Mm. I remember myself when I first did your diet, um, quite well, genially, it must be about eight or nine years ago now, the symptom improvement was quite... Um, significant and quite quick um, and I it was lovely to feel different after years and years of having tummy troubles so you know I really I really liked the biphasic diet hence why I then went and wrote cookbooks on it <laughs> um, another question I get asked is you know should people be doing treatment when they're in phase one, restricted or semi-restricted or should the treatment come in when they move into phase two? Yes. So again, there are exceptions to the rule, but generally speaking, there is a reason why I formulated phase one to be much more supportive and anti-inflammatory. Because many times, you know, when people have had raging SIBO for a long time, um, undiagnosed, or they've tried different treatments and it's still happening, there is quite a bit of damage. And to just go in there all guns ablazing with antimicrobials, I found that too harsh for people. I find it a lot easier to support digestion and to it to kind of prime the immune system or help with anti-inflammatory, so, um, sort of have an anti-inflammatory approach the, for the first phase. And there are, you know, practitioners that would that do it the other way around. They first do antimicrobials, but I just wanted to share what was really working well in my practice. So that's, um, that's why I formulated it that way. And overwhelmingly, I, most of the time when people are straightforward SIBO patients um, and they come back after two weeks or three weeks on C, uh, phase one with all the digestive support, they already are probably 80% better in terms of their symptom control. So then we have to get into adding more foods so that we can actually start a little bit of bacterial growth while you're adding in antimicrobials. So I wasn't going to fiddle with a formula that has been tried and proven, you know? So I felt like, okay, this new update comes after, you know, years of feedback from my own patients, from my other practitioners in my clinic and from uh, people from around the world. And so that was really what prompted this update that we wanted, um, I really wanted to, uh, expand on the diet. Can we just touch on the concept um, that often people have heard that they should eat with abundance when they're in treatment phase because they want to 
have the bacteria active and so they can be killed off more easily. And I think sometimes that is interpreted as go and eat burgers and fries and pizza and McDonald's and you know, go and eat everything. That's not what you mean when you're talking about increasing the food, is it? Yeah, no, that's not at all what I mean. And I don't actually talk about that very much with my patients. It's in the diet. It explains it in the diet, but it is still a low FODMAP diet. It's not a diet that um, sort of throws caution into the wind where you're just like, uh, can eat anything. Because what I have found over these years is that people don't do well with that approach. They just can get flared up, not necessarily from SIBO, but just a bit of leaky gut or inflammation and sort of the side effects of this sort of restricted and then just go eat anything you want. That just doesn't make sense to me. So, um, yeah, so I didn't quite, uh, you know, open the floodgates to eating everything. No. Let's um, cover what are some of the new things that are in the um, update of the biphasic diet. I was super excited to see some new inclusions, um, which I thought back to myself from all those years ago doing it for the first time. And I thought, oh, this would have been, I would have loved this diet even more. (laughs) What's new? So, um, so one of the things that, as you know, uh, after I created the original biphasic diet, I, um, you know, I wanted to give something to the vegetarians and the vegans. So I created the vegetarian biphasic diet, um, with a nutritionist together. Um, and so what the, the, the big new, uh, uh, diet update is that I combined both original and vegetarian because I was like, why do only the vegetarians get all these wonderful additions of plant-based foods that are really good to incorporate for anyone? You don't have to be just a vegetarian to um, incorporate sprouted uh, um, legumes or tofu or some of these other healthy foods. So that was one big, that's a one big change is that there are much bigger categories of foods, um, but they come with a a sort of specific instruction. So if you're doing lentils, for examples, or other legumes like adzuki beans or, you know, mung beans, you need to sprout them, but it's really easy. It's really fun. It's, it's not hard to do uh, before you can use them. So that was the biggest thing. Then obviously they've been with this whole trial and error over the last 10 years, um, you know, we know that tamari, for example, is fine. It, you know, tamari is a fermented soy sauce um, that's wheat free. Um, and uh, so we, we're not just limited to the coconut aminos. We can use other types of condiments. Um, also, konjac noodles and, um, you know, those kinds of things that make life a little bit more fun when you when you look at how to cook with those and so those and and just expanding on explanations because people were also confused about cheeses for example so um, very specific about cheeses a lot more specific about portion sizes and vegetables and a a bigger bigger categories of vegetables so um, so there are some categories that are relatively the same but for the most part I think people will find that they can just have more uh, variety in their diet and a lot more recipes. Um, I have a friend who's a vegan chef and a friend who's a, who's a caterer, like a regular chef. And so both of them have, have supplied really nice recipes, 
um, and sort of nourishing bowls and lo like lots of different ideas of how to actually do this rather than just um, sort of a very sparse instructions and just a few recipes. So I, I um, am really proud of what it's what the final product is of the biphasic diet actually. And congratulations. It's definitely um, a, a huge um, improvement from not that the previous diet was uh, lacking, but there's just so much more diversity and it's really exciting to see it. So, you know, congratulations on the on the update of it. Um, people uh, often say to me, I've got hydrogen SIBO or I've got methane SIBO. Should I eat um, specific foods or avoid specific foods for the type of SIBO I have? Um, what's your response to those people around what they should or shouldn't be eating depending on SIBO type? Yeah, that's a great question because they are different, right? So hydrogen production is done by mostly E. coli and Klebsiella, as I've mentioned, versus methane or methanogens, which is mostly methanobrevibacter smithii. And initially, I wanted actually to have people eat more vegetarian when they're on the uh, methane diet, but actually some recent research suggests that they also do well in a low-carb environment. Um, and I wonder, it, I have my suspicions around potential yeast involvement and all of that. So I, so now I'm more convinced than ever that everyone should just be on the biphasic diet. And because that caters to a lower carb approach and bit more, um, bit more digestible fibers because we're adding in the vegetarian plant-based foods. So I think this is going to be... Um, I think this is going to be better for the methanogen dominant people than the original biphasic diet. So I think it's, um, yeah, I think it's a good, it's good for both. And what about the hydrogen sulfide folk who have uh, that third gas? Remember that both methane and hydrogen sulfide still is reliant on hydrogen production, right? So, so ultimately, yes, we could think about, re and, and, you know, we don't really have the capability of testing. There still is only one lab in America that tests for hydrogen sulfide. And there's a lot of confusion around what constitutes hydrogen sulfide SIBO. The re I still see patient after patient who has been, in my opinion, wrongly diagnosed with hydrogen sulfide SIBO. So because we can't test for it, um, pretty much anyone that has had a flatlining um test result has been deemed hydrogen sulfide, whereas sometimes people are just negative on a test result and you're dealing with another digestive disorder. So, but to get back into the hydrogen sulfide, what I do when I see a patient that has um, hydrogen sulfide issues, I look at their stool profile because a lot, and it also depends on if they're more uh, constipated or if they're more diarrhea dominant. So diarrhea dominant and um, sort of a flatlining uh, graph on a breath test, meaning both hydrogen and methane flatlining, um, that would be more convincing to me than somebody who has normal stool patterns or is more constipated. That would mean that there could be a, a more hydrogen sulfide in the colon, which if they have overgrowth in the colon, they don't have SIBO, right? Because that's not the small intestine. And so I'm much less restricted with those patients and I give them a more low sulfur diet that is not necessarily a low FODMAP diet. 
So I really re reserve the biphasic diet much more for true SIBO patients. One of the things I've really liked about the update is that the um, ebook that you've created for the SIBO biphasic diet is so much bigger. There's so much more information in there. Um, perhaps it would, you could share what some of the additional content is. You talked about some of the recipes, which look delicious. Um, there's also some information about um, soaking and sprouting. And, and you know, why is that so important to do with our grains? So turns out that when you <clears throat> soak and sprout grains, it actually, that germination process, and we're talking only 24 hours or so, um, it utilizes a lot of the um, sort of digestive or fermentable carbohydrates that are in those foods. So effectively, if you're sprouting something before cooking, you're reducing the carbohydrate content. And so that's really what we were after. With an exception of chickpeas, chickpeas actually increase in their uh, fermentability when you sprout them. So I really wanted to give that food choice or all those food choices to the to everyone, not just the vegans and the vegetarians. So there's a sprouting chart. There are different uh, recipes for veggie stock and... Um, we have protein powder, how to pick up good protein powder. We have, um, you know, it's a lot more a sort of a complete experience rather than just food charts and a few recipes. It gives a lot more guidance because the reality is that there are a lot of people that don't have practitioners. And so I needed to have it much more in a, in a user-friendly format. And I think, I think it, it is a lot more user-friendly now. One of the things I personally think um, I would have really loved was just having a broader range of plant-based foods. And I know um, I often have people say to me, oh, I feel like I just eat too much meat. Um, but now having all of the vegetarian options that have now been included, well, you don't have to eat so much meat if you don't want to, if it doesn't make you feel great. You can have a much more plant-based approach, which um, I know I do better with. And I know that you like to eat um, quite a plant-based diet yourself, yes. Marala. Yes, I'm um, almost vegetarian again, but I do eat a little chicken, but um, I most of my diet is um, plant-based. Yeah. One of um, the things that you've also added to the ebook is a mini course. What do people get when they um, sign up for the biphasic diet update and they get access to this it's about half an hour mini course? That's a good question, hey? I've got loads more just like this coming up after this break. We're back in a moment. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.
what do people get when they um, sign up for the biphasic diet update and they get access to this about half an hour mini course? So the idea, again, was uh, a self-guided course. And what I'm working on is an update on my self-guided course called, called the SIBO Success Plan. And um, I'm now completely streamlining everything so that you get the diet, you get the you get the SIBO, if you get the SIBO success plan, the diet is included. And the mini course really was just to introduce people to phase one and phase two supplements that I've also created along the way. Um, and again, just to cater to people's needs that ha don't have practitioners. If you have a practitioner, you don't necessarily need to do the uh, mini course that teaches you about the supplements that I would recommend if I was your practitioner or um, give you an, an idea of the products that I've created or, or have uh, are on offer through the biphasic.shop uh, you know, website. So the mini course is like I said, an introduction to phase one supplements and phase one supplements for hydrogen are uh, enzymes and a product I call gut primer, which is, um, and it's, it's basically, it's a fantastic new product that I've been working with for a few years now. And it's, it's what we call um, uh, immunoglobulins, right? So basically what happens is uh, hens or chickens are inoculated with um, about 26 different human pathogens. And then the eggs that they lay have antibodies in them. So it's almost like we're giving the antibodies against the uh, against different organisms. And that sort of primes the immune, immune system for what I call the fight ahead, which is phase two, right? So you're actually getting ready. Um, and already that alone is, is greatly... Um, uh, can really help with symptom relief. So that's hydrogen. If you have methane dominance, I, I have finally, finally um, been able to find a wonderful herbal company in America that's formulated Dr. Jacoby's Bitter Tonic and that I've talked about many, many times on my podcasts. And it's a combination of four herbs that are really great for stimulating digestion. And these are people that are constipated. It's not so great for people that have diarrhea because bitters can be quite stimulating. So we have the enzymes for them. That's more the hydrogen. But so the methane gets more the uh, bitters and also the gut primer. Then when we talk about phase two, um, the, the products, I kept them very simple and very straightforward of the, the herbs that we know are working for these two conditions. So for hydrogen, we know berberine works well and we know oregano works well. So, and for methane, we know Alimed works well and we know oregano works well. So oregano has a bit of an overlap. Um, and I left hydrogen sulfide out completely because I think people would get super confused if they do not have the ability to really understand uh, because a lot of practitioners don't even understand. So I left that off the table. So it's really for those people who, if you haven't been tested and you live in America, you can also order testing through there. You can order a breath test through that um, website and um, kind of understand if you are hydrogen or methane dominant. And if you don't want to do that, then there are also ways of figuring out which, which dominant type you might be. So I've really listened to people over the last few years of what they wanted. They wanted more, um, you know, specific products. They wanted more guidance with the diet and they wanted more guidance with the SIBO success plan. So 
So I'm in the process of doing all of that. And by the end of August, I'll probably also offer sort of a membership type where they, uh, where there's a little bit more, um, ex, you know, sort of um, Q&As and things like that and more teachings around and it's more exclusive. Uh, so, so all of that I've been busy with. But yeah, the mini course is a half an hour introduction to what I think works in terms of products. If you're doing the SIBO success plan and you don't have, you don't live in a country like Germany, for example, Germany, we can't send to Germany. Um, then if you do the SIBO success plan, you also get an, get access to the online dispensary guide where you can sort of uh, patch it together with what's available in your country if, if we're not shipping there. Mm, that's great. I mean, the, I, I have so many of my um coaching clients who I've worked with who have been unable to find a practitioner that can work with them that the um, supplement shop will be a game changer for them particularly those people that are living in the states where they might be in a state where there are no naturopathic physicians and it's been really hard to get a general practitioner to take them seriously or to listen to them so having the facility to um have a place where they can order trusted supplements that can work with the treatment of their SIBO um, and even ordering a test. Oh, oh my gosh, this is so exciting. I know, right? It's so, it's a game changer. Congratulations, Narala. It really will change the lives of many people who to date have had no access to testing or treatment. Thank you. And the other thing about the supplements is you don't need 20 products, right? You just... Um, it's really just two products for phase one. If they're working for you, it's recommended you stay throughout you, the whole course, which is three months. The whole protocol is three months. Um, you know, because I don't stop digestive enzymes just because I'm moving to phase two. I like to keep up the digestive support and then just two products for phase two. So it's, it's not like you're, you know, constantly popping pills. Um, so I really wanted to streamline it for people. So I'm, I'm happy that that was it. And in the future, I can imagine other, you know, additions for things like histamine intolerance, because a lot of people do have stuff going on with histamine. Um, but this is, this is enough for now. What about the people that are not living in the States that might be in another country? Can they order through the supplement shop and have it shipped to them? Or is it only available for people in America at this stage? No, we've already shopped pretty much all over the world. Um, or I mean, shipped all over the world. But it's, um, you know, there are some countries that, as we know, like I said, Germany, we know it's impossible to send anything to Germany without it being, they have very, very strict um, import laws. So we just took Germany off the list. And there's a few others like Mexico um, and I can't, can't remember now, but there's a few that um, are notorious and, you know, but we've shipped things to Australia. So, you know, it's funny because I'm like, okay, well, I, I live here, but, I, you know, still things are being shipped to Australia. But um, yeah, so it is, you you know, if you look at the shipping cost, it is what it is, you know, with, with um shipping anywhere like so any with any product that you order online so you have to investigate that if you uh need to know more about the shipping and stuff you can you can see if we ship to your country yeah no that's great um one of the questions i got asked uh from one of my coaching clients was well i used to be able to get the biphasic diet as a free download and i can see now that it's packaged up as an ebook and a course and there's a price to it 
Um, can't I just get the, the diet update itself and you know, why do I have to pay for it? Um, so I'm sure if she's asking me that question, there are others asking that question as well. Yes, it's, it's not a new question, but I feel the price is fair for what you get. You know, I mean, it is, I've put a lot of effort into it. It's a lot of my expertise and it's now three times as big. So I feel it's a fair price. It's definitely not overpriced for what you get. And it's only $27. So it's, it's not like it's, uh, it's going to break the bank. Um, even if you're, you're having to watch what you're spending, it's, um, I think it's a fair price. If you can't afford it, you can, the old diet still works. Exactly. I did it. <laughs> yes. Let's talk about the patient that relapses. And I had one um, one of my listeners reach out and say, I just constantly relapse. And you know, I, I do well on the diet for a period of time. And then after maybe a few weeks to a few months, everything comes back. And I feel like I've just gone back to the start. What do, what do we help? How can we help those people? What's happening with them in your experience? Yeah. And look, I really feel for those people. You know, I do feel um, as some people that are chronic relapses and my job as a practitioner is to find out why they're chronically relapsing. Because if it's if it's to do with post-infectious, you know, IBS, uh, that is the most supposedly the most common cause. But I'm not sure it is the most common cause of SIBO, to be honest. But um, it is it is after food poisoning a few years ago, you developed IBS and now you have SIBO, that means the migrating motor complex or the motility of the upper gut is damaged. So you're not sweeping out the bacteria when you're, when you're meant to. That is um, sometimes the case. Sometimes it's adhesion as we, you know, we have these categories of causes often. I think the biggest category is motility, but it's not always related to the migrating motor complex. It's sometimes the vagus nerve, sometimes other issues. So that is the main um, focus when I see someone like that is to f- understand why they're relapsing. Because sometimes, you know, that being said, you have to really understand whether or not it truly is SIBO. So I'm a big fan of testing before and after treatment and at the first time you relapse. If you really are relapsing with SIBO, then we don't have to test anymore every time you do relapse. But understanding that it truly is SIBO, because I've seen people that don't have SIBO have the exact same symptoms of SIBO and it could just be fungal overgrowth or it could be, um, you know, food intolerances. It could be the, the plethora of other causes of IBS that we used to focus on before SIBO came along. So I don't, I think it's, there is a danger of oversimplifying it. You really need to understand what your condition is. And I have like in my practice, I do have patients like that, that are chronic C, um, chronic relapsers, and they are are mostly involved with uh, motility disorders. So, you know, that's what I would say is make sure you understand why you're relapsing. Um, And then the diet itself is usually, you know, yes, you can use phase two for quite a long time as a maintenance diet. But obviously what we don't want to have happen is that you become so reliant on the diet that you can't really it's it becomes sort of like a little bit of a prison we don't want that we want people to have you know a, a sort of a dietary freedom eventually and sometimes the causes are like i said not the small intestine sometimes they're in the large intestine um which you know that's the reason i'm a big proponent for really also investigating what's happening 
in the colon or in the large intestine while you're sort of working with SIBO, just so that you understand if there's anything that we need to know, um, you know, so that we're not like treating only SIBO and have other issues that we could have already addressed so that we prevent the symptoms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if someone does relapse, is is it your recommendation that they go back to phase one, set, uh, restricted, or do they perhaps go back to phase two? Where do they land with the diet? Yeah, that's a great question. Again, case by case, because some people that are super sensitive, they do really well with phase one. And some people that, um, you know, they do well with just going to phase two. And my, I'd say, uh, probably 80% of the time, I'd say just phase two, because they um, it's it's not as restrictive and they may not have as big a relapse as they had initially. I mean, I've seen cases where, you know, gas levels were super high um, and then the relapse, even though it was a relapse, was not as high. So or the numbers were not as high. So that also happens where you don't really need the full the full program, you can just start with antimicrobials. And if they're working with me, I address lots of other issues, right? It's not just um, SIBO. I look at lots of different things um, when it comes to their overall health. You know, are they sleeping? Are they, what, where's, what's their hormonal status? What's what, all the other things that um, if you have chronic digestive issues, it will impact those areas. So we look at it more of a rounded um, or like a whole person approach rather than just, well, this is a SIBO patient and I open my cookbook and I say, oh, you know, here's the recipe for SIBO and you, these are the products you, you take. You, I, it's, it's a lot more individualized when people see me. Mm-hmm. And I think that's such a great reminder that it's about looking beyond the small intestine um, because that's just one one facet of the human body that is often disordered and needs support. Um, in terms of phase two and then beyond, um, people often ask me, how do I, well, what do I go to next? So I've done the diet. I'm feeling good. I feel like my SIBO is under control or I've treated it. I've had a negative breath test. Now what? Now what do I do after phase two? What is life like then? Um, How do you take people beyond? I love that state. That's my favorite state is like they're finally SIBO free. They're great. Now I'm, go- I'm really focusing on microbiome re- restoration, right? Your microbiome, which lo- mainly in the large intestine, that's where you're meant to have the bacteria. And that's where we want to make you sort of, um, you know, um, like that's where, where I really enjoy um, making people sort of not impervious, but basically, you know, if you have a great, immu- um, a great microbiome, a really healthy microbiome, your energy is good. Your digestion is good. Your neurotransmitters are good. I mean, it's not only the job of the microbiome, but it has such wide reaching implication on lots of different health issues. That's why the next step for me when, when we're done with all of the SIBO and everything else is always microbiome restoration and food introduction based on what microbes they're low on or are missing um, and really focusing on foods that promote the growth of those organisms, which is just, I love that kind of work. And I'm um, probably in 2023, I'll have a I'll have a course on how to work with your microbiome. That was such an exciting phase for myself. And I worked with a very knowledgeable Dr. Jason Horolek on um, my microbiome analysis and then 
what I loved was the food side. So we looked at what I was um, missing or low in and how we could use food as a nutritional support to my microbiome to help feed those little critters was such an exciting place to get to um and every time I ate those foods I was like here you go little guys visualization and we have such great technology now you know in in Australia we have a wonderful lab that looks at um uh you know, the, the metabolites of your microbiome. So we can assess histamine, we can assess, um, you know, different neurotransmitters, we can assess even hydrogen sulfide production. So there are, it's, it's infinitely more um, informative to check the microbiome now than it was even five, six years ago. So I think we've, we're, we're heading in the right direction when it comes to fully understanding um, what bacteria are doing in our digestive tract. I know my Australian listeners are going to say, what's the name of the lab? Are you, are you happy to share the name of the lab for anyone that might like to request? Yeah, so it's called Microba, but Microba uh, is, is through practitioners, right? So I think in, in Australia, you may be able to order it yourself. It's an Australian company. Um, but in, if you're in America, it has to be through a practitioner. I've checked that because I was also like, ah, how can we do it? But when I offer a microbiome course, um, we'll, we'll, have off, we'll have some um, way of getting it, I'm sure. Great. I had a question around the role of intermittent fasting in conjunction with the biphasic diet. Do you like to have people use intermittent fasting as a way to um, perhaps help control symptoms or support gut, um, gut health or motility? So intermittent fasting is different from just not snacking between meals, right? So the idea behind not snacking between meals is simply so that you're resting your migrating motor complex. And so when you're in active SIBO treatment, it is advised to do to eat three meals a day. Now, again, case by case, if somebody is very low body weight, um, we need to, or has very severe hypoglycemia um, or blood sugar regulation issues, then we need to um, customize the diet a little bit more, right? But intermittent fasting or timed fasting, which is, you know, you're not eating, let's say, until 10 a.m., so from a 6 p.m. till the next day, 10, um, 10 a.m., for example. For some people, that really works. Um, again, case-by-case case basis, it's not necessary. We do know that um, for extreme digestive distress, a 24 to 48 hour water fast can be um, a very therapeutic intervention. I wouldn't just recommend this if you're listening to this podcast just to, um, you know, uh, if you're just having SIBO symptoms, it's, that's not what I'm saying. But people that have very severe, like, for example, a flare of IBD, like Crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis, that can be where you're just resting the gut and, and the, the uh, gut has a way of catching up then, you know, with, with the metabolites and it can sort of get on top of the level of inflammation, but th that's reserved for much more severe conditions. What about the people that have tried the biphasic diet and they feel, and, and obviously this is the uh, an original version of it, and they feel that it just doesn't work for them and perhaps they've had better success with something, say, like the fast-tracked diet or GAPS or something else. 
Do you have a sense of why those people aren't doing so well on the biphasic but do seem to have symptom improvement on one of the other protocols? I don't see those people. So I have not actually come across that, to be honest. Um, and I, that doesn't mean it doesn't exist, but it doesn't exist in my in my understanding of it. So, for example, if somebody does really well with um, the GAPS diet, I would I would sort of I would sort of doubt that they have SIBO, to be honest. You know, I would think of other other issues um, because we know the, one of the reasons why I mean, the biphasic diet is not a unique diet. It's just the way I structured the, the phases of it, right? But let's face the fact that it is a low FODMAP diet. We know low FODMAP works for IBS and SIBO across the board. Like I'd say nine times out of 10 diet-wise, that works a lot better. Um, I've had people flare up on things like fast-track diets and GAPS diet. Um, and GAPS, that makes sense because of the histamine levels, right? So hist GAPS is very high fermented foods. And um, a lot of people that have SIBO actually have an underlying histamine intolerance simply because of the damage to the enzyme that breaks histamine down um, in, the, in the small intestine. So that's often the underlying issue there. But for the most part, you know, I mean, look, I'm not saying I cracked the code for SIBO. Um, you know, it's not like this is, uh, you know, a revolutionary diet. It's just that I've worked with a lot of people and a lot of practitioners that have worked with a lot of people. And universally, I get very good feedback. And now the new additions have been sort of tried and tested. Of course, there are always individuals that will not respond to one food or another, um, that can happen. And there are different reasons for that. Sometimes it's food allergies, right? They, for example, the biphasic diet includes eggs. And a lot of people are, can be sensitive to eggs for, uh, for different reasons. You know, sometimes it's because vaccines, um, you know, vaccinations and um, have been grown in, or they're often manufacturers using egg albumin. And so some people just are sensitive to eating a lot of eggs. I'm one of them. I can eat eggs. I can't eat eggs every day. So it's those kinds of tweaking that can, that may need to happen for some people with the biphasic mm. diet. And I was a, an example where I couldn't tolerate pumpkin for about three months, which is strange because I had loved pumpkin. Um, and it was just my system needing, a, obviously it needed a little break from it. And then I got it back in. So I think that reminder that, you know, perhaps tweaking and tailoring to your unique requirements. So just because it's on the list doesn't mean you have to eat it. You can um, remove it if it doesn't work for you. Right. Very good point. So, you know, um, it is, we're still working with individuals and, and their specific needs. And this is a general diet um, that for the most part works really well across the board for SIBO, but there are individual cases. And in those cases, I'd say find a practitioner, work with a practitioner that will help you ferret out what you're actually reacting to. And you may have more things than SIBO. You may have SIBO and histamine intolerance and an overgrowth of something, you know, and stress and blah, blah, blah. So it, there's a lot of different combinations that make up your unique symptom picture. Definitely. And I, I see that all the time with my coaching clients um, when I help them to start 
asking why and where and what's going on, particularly if they haven't had a lot of support, that they are able to identify there's often a multitude of factors at play in their body that all need to be addressed, um, but that that is why they've often been feeling so miserable. And um, once they've got the toolkit and or they've found a practitioner, and, and that's one thing that I work with closely, is helping put them into the hands of a really skilled practitioner who can then provide them effective treatment, um, that's when they can start making those improvements. But if we just get very tunnel visioned on, oh, I've got SIBO and that's it, um, and then we're still reacting, there's, uh, my biggest question is what else is happening in your body for you to still have symptoms? Because if you have symptoms, your body is giving you a message, hey, I'm not fixed, I need help, listen to me. And, um, and then we, we have to keep looking. Um, Dr. Narala Jacobi, thank you so much for coming on to the Healthy Gut podcast today to share with us um, the updates to the SIBO biphasic diet. Um, you have a lot of supportive materials and resources out there for SIBO patients and practitioners. Um, I've got um, a whole bunch of your um, very useful um, tools and courses, and etc., and products in the show notes. So make sure you head to thehealthygut.com forward slash podcast so you can check out all of that. Um, and once again, congratulations on the launch of the diet. And I can't wait to, um, you know, make sure that many of my coaching clients are following it because there's going to be some much uh, happier taste buds out there with so all of these new lovely additions to it. <laughs> yes. Thanks, Rebecca. It's been a pleasure. My pleasure. Thanks, Narala. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Healthy Gut Podcast. And if you are interested in downloading the revised SIBO biphasic diet, make sure you click the link in the show notes so that you can grab your copy. It is a paid update, so it's $27 to purchase, but with that, you also get the mini course and it's a, an actual ebook, which comes as a PDF download with a lot more information than what has been available in previous editions. And don't forget, you can get the full written transcription from today's episode by becoming a member of the Healthy Gut Podcast. It's free to join, so all you need to do is head to thehealthygut.com forward slash podcast and join as a member, and I'll be sending you an email the moment an episode goes to air. So it's a great way of keeping up to date with all of the latest episodes of the Healthy Gut Podcast. You've been listening to the Healthy Gut Podcast with your host, Rebecca Coombs. To learn more about the Healthy Gut or our podcast, head to thehealthygut.com forward slash podcast. The Healthy Gut Podcast is a production of The Healthy Gut. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.